Anyway, it's so good to be with you. Um, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, where we ended up last week, and we're going to get going here this morning. Uh, We are beginning this morning a brand new three-week mini-series called The Mission of the Church. Um, It's actually interesting. This is, it became a tradition. We have a couple of interesting traditions as a church, and if you've been with us for a while or if you remain with us for a while, you'll, you'll end up seeing some of them. I mean, one of them is every December we do an Advent series, which we just do. We do that. And um, uh, this is also something that we've been doing for years, uh, which is to, at the end of the summer, uh, usually two weeks this year, it's going to be three weeks, we will do a series called The Church. And part of the reason for that, one of the main reasons for it initially anyway, is we found out when we first planted this church, it'll be 12 years uh, this coming September 27th, was that you know Squamish is a, is a very transient community. I mean, back then it was extremely transient. It's getting better from that perspective. So what would happen is a lot of young people or people would be with us for a year or two or three, and then they'd move away. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason they would, many reasons, good reasons. And then that same summer, uh, people would move here. And so we'd have a whole new crop of people joining us at the Rock Church and be like, goodbye. And then it would be like the new people's like, okay, we'd like to tell you about who we are and why we do what we do. Um, so that, that's also the, basically the reasons, and, and for also for regular members of the Rock Church, it's just a good reprise, right? At the end of the summer, it's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves, why are we doing this? Why did Jesus call us to do this? Um, what, what's the purpose? Is, is, is it necessary? And are we doing it well? Are we focused on the right things? And so it's really... Um, a good idea, we feel. Now, you come to this summer, and as I've been praying about it and talking to the elders about it and, and members of the church, we felt even more so that the Holy Spirit was saying to us, yes, and, and in fact, let's do three weeks, as I hope you will see is going to be helpful. The first and, and most obvious reason for that is, I don't know if you knew this, but we've been through a global pandemic, amen? I mean, we're, we're still in it. It's still there, it's, but we've been through that, and so maybe, you know being the church for the past 18 months has been different. Amen? Um, for many of us, it's like, well, no, this is not being the church. Uh, one of the favorite phrases we have at the Rock Church is this, and this will help you understand a little bit of who we are. Um, we don't believe the church is a building, place, or an event. It's us. We're the church. Here, scattered, as we'll see in a couple of weeks. But gathering together on a Sunday, as we'll see next week, and throughout the week as the body of Christ is really important. So there have been some challenges from that, and so we want to revisit it as that, uh, for that reason. Secondly, in this same period, again, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the same period, um, we've also seen and heard over the past uh, 18 months, especially via social media, and of course, none of us have had any time to be on social media in the last 18 months, Right? I think most of you are getting your vaccine information from Facebook, but that's okay. But I think we've also seen this, a heightened awareness or focus, I should say, on subjects like injustice, um, racism, racial tensions, and the need possibly for the church to focus more on these two words. You know these two words, right? Social what? Justice. So I'd suggest that within the church, which is our area of concern, my area of concern as a pastor, 
and, and the study of these three weeks, I would also suggest to you many of us in the church, young and older, are beginning to believe that, wait a second, isn't that the mission of the church? Or at least shouldn't it be? Come on, look around. A lot of oppression, a lot of hurt, a lot of struggle. So the goal of this mini-series is to arrive at some conclusions from the scripture uh, for our church family in particular about how and where we are called to go. How and where we are called to go to be and to do, listen, what Jesus has in mind. Not Glenn, not Rudy, not the elders, not, not us, although we should be hearing via the Holy Spirit from each other on these things. But what Jesus has in mind for all of us, and listen, in our own backyard, first of all, right here in Squamish. And so that's the goal of our series. The outline for the series is as follows. The title is The Mission of the Church. Over the next three three weeks, I hope to look at first today, the mission. What is Jesus sending us into the world to be and to do? That's the mission. Next week, the gathering. Why are we doing this? Why do we gather together on the first day of the week? Is it important? I mean, did we not learn from the pandemic that, you know, we could stay at home and have a coffee and watch online? Don't, don't get any ideas here. It, it's necessary from time to time. Sure was in the past 18 months. Finally, in the third week, we're going to look at what we call the scattering. How we live on mission with Jesus throughout the week and together on mission with Jesus. So as we begin this morning, as we like to do, let's first pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, I just want to thank you so much as Our prayer team prayed earlier today, Father, we are so privileged and blessed to be able to gather together as the church again. And so we want to thank you, Lord. Lord, we continue to pray for your healing over uh, our country, over this world uh, related to this pandemic. Lord, uh, I I think you would understand, and I know you would, that, Lord, we just want it to go away. But Lord, we we know that uh, you're in control of all things. Lord Jesus, we saw this last week. You have all authority. And so, Lord, we pray in your will and with your authority, Lord, we pray and ask you, heal us. Heal us. But we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that these men and women are here today physically, but also online watching. And and we're going to be able to look at your word and consider, Lord Jesus, what you had in mind when you said, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so, Lord, it's been a wonderful journey for 12 years to see you do the building of your church and to allow us to be part of that. So, Lord, I just pray that you would bless the words you've given to me today. I pray it would encourage our hearts, all of us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, we would, we would really, really understand what you have in mind. I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So if you will permit me, uh, I'd like to share a little personal stuff this morning, and specifically related to our call to come here and plant this church 12 years ago. Um, I believe it speaks a fair bit to mission. Uh, When Janice and I had it uh, absolutely confirmed uh, 14 years ago that uh, I was to leave the business world and um, 
going to seminary to brush up on my theology and make sure I actually did know what I was talking about, or somewhat. Um, we, we understood that we were called to come to Squamish. It was amazing. The, the kind of things that um, the Lord showed us that made it so obvious, leaving Langley, uh, the, the, the Bible Belt in the, in the Fraser Valley, and coming to this amazing community, it was just obvious. But I also remember at that time that the Lord had put basically two goals on my heart. Just two goals. And, and by the way, goals and objectives are things that come out of missions, or at least knowing what the mission is. So you know what the mission is, and now you set some goals and objectives. I know that from my business life, and I'll get into that a little bit with you later, as how that might actually relate. And so I had these goals that were given to me, and I, and I was just, I couldn't wait to get here and put those goals into practice. These, these two goals actually came out of my own story of coming to faith in Jesus at 23 years of age, having been raised a Catholic, uh, but definitely not nearly being a Christian. Um, my life back then was all about, as some of you know, music, rock and roll, and uh, very long hair. Um, it's coming back, do you notice? Yeah, playing in bands, uh, playing sports, and oh, by the way, girls. And that was it. That was my life. I was like, that was awesome. Um, Interestingly, again, some amazing things happened, uh, people sharing to me, um, sharing Jesus with me in miraculous ways. And at 23 years of age in downtown Toronto, um, I just one night just bawled my eyes out for three or four hours and just confessed my sin and asked Jesus to save me. And he did. And three to four weeks later, I married my girlfriend. Uh, who today is my wife of 43 years. And uh, since this, that day, and since the day I came to faith, uh, these two goals have actually been part of my life. Because at that time, coming to faith at 23 years of age, actually I was a little bit bitter at the Catholic Church. I was like, hang on a second here. I was an altar boy. I went to grade school, a Bray Buff High School for boys. And, you know, I, I went to church, okay, until I was 16, and, and uh, thought I looked ridiculous in the altar boy suit. And... But I, I was bitter because I, I didn't hear the gospel. I was like, what's with that? And so at 23 years of age, I was like, it impressed on me at that point in time, I needed to learn two things really quickly. Number one, I needed to learn the word of God. Because again, in, in my church and in my home, it wasn't opened. Like briefly, maybe, but it really wasn't opened and taught. Secondly, I needed to learn about this thing called the church. I mean, I knew what the Catholic Church was, you know, the Pope, the Cardinals, all that. But these Protestants, who are these people? What, what is this all about? And so those, those two things became the subject for me. And I came to love those two things, the Word of God and the church. So you see, 15 years ago, as we were praying about church planting, and when I was in seminary, I heard many young men and women in seminary talking about either themselves or their own friends having been uh, just, just really dissatisfied with the church. You know, um, yeah, it just wasn't working for me, or yeah, it was just like so old style, and yeah, the, the church wasn't really missional. <laughs> I started hearing that word, you know, and, and just a lot of, you know, I used to call them disgruntled, you know, um, but there was this, this thing about the church that, 
it started to, I mean, I'm, I'm the old dude in the seminary, okay? Like, I'm the old guy at 50 years of age and all these young guys. But they're there studying to become pastors. But they all had these experiences. More so, their friends had these experiences about the church. And it was why, for the most part, many of them no longer went. They're just really critical. And I, I remember at the time, like, for me, it was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, you know, for me, it's like, listen, you're, you're talking about, you're talking here about the bride of Christ, you know, you know. You know, he died for her, you know. I still feel that way. I still feel that way. And so it's amazing to me, honestly, as I look back on that, how this has stuck with me. I'm also amazed almost every week how the Lord seems to give me some illustration that fits what we're talking about almost perfectly. This past uh, few weeks, I've been listening to a podcast series um, called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church. Anybody? Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mars Hill in Seattle, um, it was for a time and season the shining star of church plants. It was just explosive, the growth of this church. Mark Driscoll, the young and brash pastor preacher, was seriously a rock star in the church. That actually became the problem. So it's a sad story, um, and I'm intimately uh, knowledgeable of it because of some friends in our church planting network who were aware of what was going on five, six, seven, eight years ago. And uh, it's just tragic. It's sad. But I'll tell you what, besides all of the things that the abuse and, and the things that were not done well there, the thing that saddens me the most, and it should be saddening to you as well, is how that experienced tarnished so many young men and women's love for the church. I mean, to, to the point where many no longer go to church. In fact, many have walked away from their faith as a result of this. So that for me is anyway uh, uh, really why I believe the Lord called us to plant a church and why he gave me those goals uh, to be my focus from day one and to this day. And therefore, I'm very thankful, very thankful that when we came here as a family of four and prayed that the Lord would give us a church of young men and women, and some older, of course, but particularly young men and women, and now look around. You're here. That's awesome. And so the goal that I've always had, and that's the goal I have for you, it's always been the goal. In the ministry of this church, my hope is you will love the word of God. You will love reading it for yourself. You will love hearing it preached by mediocre preachers. Keep coming. But you'll just love it. And, and you'll love it because it is the inspired word of God. And you'll love it because the word of God is Jesus Christ. He is the word who became flesh. But also that you will love Yes, this church, this body of crazy people. But you will love the Capital C Church too and want to be part of it for the rest of your lives. So on that note, let's begin by looking at the passage we ended it with last week. As I told you, you we would. Um, I've got three points for you today. I'll re re uh, reveal them to you one at a time as we get to them today rather than put them on screen. Matthew 28, very famous passage. You know this as the great, what? Commission. 
begins in verse 19, after Jesus had said, which we saw last week, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth and on earth. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So number one today, if you're taking notes, is under the title of Mission Understood. If you were to go on Amazon or just do a little bit of research over the past uh, 15, 20 years, maybe 30 years uh, in particular, you will, you will notice that in Christian literature and Christian bookstores, um, besides books that are not really helpful, but they're more, more or less under the title of self-help, uh, you, you will see a, a, a rise in the number of books over the past 20 to 30 years that are written on the subject of mission. It's, it's really a new focus in the church, this emphasis on knowing and understanding the mission of Jesus or the mission of the church. And, and by the time, really, you get to the early 2000s, scores of books are being written about mission, about being on mission, right? That's a famous phrase. I've used it, and we're calling you to be on mission, even in prayer today. And, and we're also being introduced to that word, missional. Like, that's really new, guys. Like, that's a really new word in the past 15, 20 years. And, of course, that word, for those that were promoting it early on, was alongside the concept of the missio Dei, the mission of God. And so much of this newfound interest and focus was the result of a few things, but most notably, church planting. It was was a result of a a resurgence in church planting in the last 20 to 25 years that is is actually unheard of in the past 100, 200 years of the church. It's it's a remarkable thing that we are seeing. It's a virtual explosion. And that, of course, is a good thing, uh, a really good thing. Mainline churches many years ago, started to decline and, in fact, fact shutter their doors, and that's happening even more so today. But we can count on this, right? Jesus did say this, as I've already mentioned. He prayed this and said this and promised this to the apostles and the disciples after Peter's confession of faith in Christ as the king, as the son of the living God, Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this, of course, this verse is where we get our name. The Rock Church comes from this verse. So with the emergence of these new church planters, and I've met many of them over the years, I am one of them, uh, many of them are these apostolically gifted, driven type of uh, men. They're, they're gifted with casting vision, which you, you need to be. You've got to be able to call people to something and say, hey, you know, jump on, follow me while I follow Jesus. Let's go do this thing, right? And, and that's the kind of men and, and women that they are. And it's a good thing that they, they actually be like. They initiate by calling men and women to join them on mission with Jesus and plant these new churches. And with that vibrancy also came a desire to go to the Scripture and discern what Jesus really had in mind. Most of them did that. I, that's exactly what, what I did and what we've been doing. And at the same time, the next natural question to ask has been and is, well, what's the mission? <laughs> what are we, what are we, why are we planting a church? What, what, what's the goal, ultimately? That, in fact, is exactly the way we started as a church. It's exactly the way we started. 
We didn't want to plant a, a carbon copy of you know, some church we'd been to in the past that we thought was awesome or, or some other church plant that we'd seen that was really successful. So we, we should do what they did. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to discover for ourselves what Jesus really had in mind. And so we went to the scripture continually, and we continually asked that question, and we're continually doing that to this day. And that's why I said at the beginning, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the last year, it's a good thing to revisit, isn't it? And especially for some of you who are new with us, to be thinking these things, maybe afresh for you, but also with us. And so we're asking, especially now, has anything changed since the days of the early church in Acts? I mean, does our current context and culture impact what Jesus had in mind here in Squamish? I think these are all good questions, pardon me, and we continue honestly to ask those questions. So we'll get a little bit more into that, uh, the word and the aspect of the church and what that means next week and the following week. Um, and we'll need to do that. But for today, again, the, the question is, what is the mission? So when we begin looking at that, one of the first issues we encountered years ago uh, is maybe something that may be confusing for you too. And, and so what we, when we wanted to try to define that, it, what happened was those of us who'd been part of churches for you know, even 10, 15, 20, but longer, 30, 40 years um, sometimes, mission was always in the context of mission with an S on the end of it, right? It was always in the context of missions. And therefore, the mission of the church was to be carried out by specially gifted and called men and women who went over there as missionaries. You're right, you figured it out. Yes, but, that, but we, we, we discovered that years ago. We were like, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of um, um, informed our understanding of what it means to be on mission or what the mission of the church is. Well, certainly that is one of the ways in which we can read and understand Matthew 28. It's a good way to understand that. It's true. But as we considered that, we also began to ask these questions. Well, what does that mean for us? <laughs> Here at home in Squamish. What does that mean for us? What's our mission? Are, are we, is, is our call just to be good Christians? You know, holy people, you know, dress the right way, show up on Sundays, you know, give and do those kind of things. And, you know, like go to work and, and make money to take care of our families and, and be good moms and dads and, and raise Christian kids and homeschool, you know, whatever. And, and, and you know, like, the, is that what we're called to do? Is that it? Oh, and by the way, make enough money, not only that we can provide for our families, but so that we can fund the real missionaries. I don't know if you've ever had that thought or perspective, but I did in some of the churches that I've gone to in the past about the mission. And so it it made me kind of like sit back a little bit and think, hmm, well, then as we began to look more deeply into the commission in Matthew 28, and having listened and learned from some other brothers who were writing amazing books about this, and also church planters who are also trying to figure this out, and we're all trying to learn about this and figure this out in community, not just locally, but as church planters, sharing at conferences and learning these things, we discovered something in the sending of his disciples in Matthew 28 that we had not seen before. 
I want to show it to you this morning. I, I think the verses should be back up on screen. Matthew 20, there you go, 19 to 20, thank you. Um, and it is this. You notice that we're called to go, therefore, and make disciples by what? Baptizing them in the name. Now, have you ever thought of that? I remember, like, I'm a pastor. I baptize people, right? And so most of the time you're at a baptism, what do you hear the pastor saying or the person who's baptizing the person? It doesn't have to be the lead pastor. It can be a leader in the church, a good friend who's a Christian who baptizes. But it's usually, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And, and like we sort of apply that verse just to that. Actually, this is a naming ceremony. It's a little bit like when, you know, I popped out and my mom and dad, Eunice and Tom, went, we're going to call him Glenn. With two ends, by the way, just very important you know that. Um, it's a naming ceremony, is what we realized. Well, what are we being named? Well, in this passage of scripture, we are being named children of the Father, and therefore we have an identity called family. Huh. And then we're named in the name of Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? Well, he's, he's a king, he's our king. And, and, and he's also someone who's modeled what for us? Servant. And, and so how do we serve our king? Well, in the same way that he did. We serve others. And so our second identity is we're servants. Then, interestingly, we're named in the Holy Spirit by, listen, the Father and the Son who send us in the power of the Holy Spirit as your third identity, all of us, missionaries. And so we also learned that as, as rocksters. So I like to call us. Most people don't like that. But anyway, we, we are, and you'll see it on our newsletter, and you'll see it on our website, we consider our identity a family of missionary servants. That changes the paradigm a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, significantly. So there's still many questions related to mission that need to be answered. As, as I said, there, there, are, there was a lot being said about being missional, which we've also embraced which is why we call our community groups missional community groups. And in a couple of weeks when we get into the scattering, I'll get into that more deeply. But being missional is a big part of our DNA as a church. But it's, listen, it's rooted in this. It's rooted in an appropriate understanding of the mission. That's important. Because I can tell you, you can read books. There's books you can buy and read about being missional that don't really line up exactly with the theology that we believe is correct. The focus is moved off of what I hope you'll see today should be and is the focus. So there's another phrase uh, uh, or vision casting line, actually there's several of them, uh, that became popular in the last 20 years that, that sound really, really good. You know, I even liked one of them for a while, and we're going to see this next week. I'll bring it up next week, but it's just popped into my mind, so I'll mention again. You know, that want to be churches um, where unchurched people feel welcome. So in other words, a church for the unchurched. I used to think that sounded awesome, right? And then one very dear brother kind of took me aside and went, do you know what you're saying? We'll get into that next week. But one of the other ones that I heard was this. You know, it's, it's, it's actually on a lot of websites as the mission statement of the church. And it is this, joining God in the renewal of all things. We want to be as a church about joining God in the renewal of all things. Now, I got to tell you, as an ex-business guy who was, I know some of you love it, but was in the marketing field, uh, that's a good one right there. Okay, that's, that's something you can call people to, and it's like, right on. 
Now, that's an amazing vision. That's you and I being part of something that's way bigger than us, and, and we're joining God. Like, that's awesome. Sign me up. There's something good in that, but I also want to encourage you to be careful. First, you will not find the actual idea anywhere in Scripture. You won't find it in Scripture that we are called to join God in the renewal of all things. So for starters, any renewal of anything that happens in Scripture, in creation, in life, is all due to whom? It's all a work of God. Our salvation is a work of God. Our sanctification now is a work of God. Any renewal that may take place in this world today is a work of God. And so we need to be careful from that perspective. Secondly, and this is clearly also seen in Scripture, the renewal of all things will not take place in this age. I know that's bad news. Because uh, most of us, you know, we get up every day and there's Afghanistan, there's all kinds of stuff. And we're like, Lord Jesus. And, and the prayer should be, come quickly. Because then the renewal of all things will take place. Perfect justice will take place. But it's going to take until then. A new heaven and a new earth will be established by Jesus. There will be an end to all injustice, to all suffering, to all death, but that will not fully happen until he returns. Now is really important. I'm going to use some words that I use often in sermons, and it's amazing to me that I have to say them so often. Please hear me. I am not saying that we shouldn't seek justice. We shouldn't seek mercy. That we shouldn't go and care for the poor and the oppressed. We'll get into that more deeply in the scattering in a couple of weeks, but what that really should look like as we follow the mission of Jesus Christ. So that's hopefully mission understood a little bit better for you. Now let's get to number two, mission defined. Another thing that makes uh, defining mission difficult is that the actual word is not in the Bible, right? it's, It's like the word the Trinity, The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but again, you read it from Genesis to Revelation, and and you read it, and you read context, and oh, there's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, they're all equal. They're all God. And and same thing about mission. As you read the scripture, the reason why theologians and writers and translators in the New Testament, Testament put the phrase above Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is because it's obvious. However, the word's not there. So before we look at those, we must also note some of the passages I was going to say about uh, mission scriptures and the reasons behind it. Um, we need to also become synonymous with every program in the church. Uh, one of the other things as we planted the Rock Church that we wanted to be careful about is about, okay, what are we going to do as we, like the goals and objectives working out of the mission? And I know it may sound like I'm getting ahead of myself, but listen. So we, we basically call men and women at the Rock Church to three things, just three things. It's really simple. Faithfully attend Sunday gatherings. Faithfully attend a missional community group for your growth and discipleship and sanctification in Christ. And faithfully give and serve in the church. And and we've always said when we say that, that's pretty much it. And so as we will see when we get to our mission statement, we want to be careful not to just be adding all kinds of programs to the church. You need to join this. You need to join that. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And that's kind of what also 
has taken place in the church. Sometimes we, we can get focused on, and I'm going to use the phrase social justice. Um, I would prefer biblical justice, but we get focused on that. And, would, and that may also include things like feeding the hungry. Of course it should. Uh, caring for the poor, sex trafficking. Uh, I know some church plants that I love dearly, and they're highly involved in the ministry and, and trying to put an end to sex trafficking, which they absolutely should. Um, ca- caring for the environment, amen. Uh, the elderly, the sick and the drug addicted or alcohol addicted, the, less, the list actually can be endless, right? Of the things that we can feel called to, sometimes that can make us feel overwhelmed by these things, all these needs. One book I was reading on mission lately, what I feel is a really good book about this, uh, quoted a man by the name of Steph- uh, Stephen Neal. He's an Anglican-Irish missionary. There you go. This is, this is good. He said this, if everything is mission, then nothing is mission. Right? And, and so sometimes, again, we've got to be careful, and we've tried to be careful about that at the Rock Church, is to have our first importance, our first priority clear. And then as our mission statement is going to articulate for you, then anytime we think about doing this or doing that or this, we will look to our mission statement and ask the question, is it part of the plan? Is it really something we should give ourselves to? So we actually get the word mission for your information. You hopefully will find this helpful. From the Latin word metare, uh, which is actually a translation of the Greek word apostolion, where we get the word apostle. And again, if you know, if you've been around here long enough, you'll know that it, it's, the word simply means, apostle means sent one, right? Now, yes, there were capital A apostles, right? The 12 that Jesus chose to be the foundation of, of the beginning of the church. So as one example, again, of the commissioning in John 20, 21, another example of commissioning passage is when Jesus actually said to his disciples this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, shalom be with you. Peace between you and your heavenly Father be with you. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, Apostleon, even so I am sending you. Well, now in the Latin, they would use matare. And that's where we get the word mission actually from. Another uh, theologian who I had read uh, while preparing for this message who writes on mission, um, he uh, suggests that mission, at least in traditional usage, should be seen this way. He says this, It presupposes a sender, a person or persons sent by the sender, those to whom one is sent, and an assignment. I like that. It's an assignment. Notice it's not plural. Uh, so, So listen, so far we have the idea that mission involves being sent to a specific people and with a specific task. We see this also in another key passage in the scripture that I want to put on screen for you now. It's, of course, Jesus speaking to his disciples uh, as he's preparing to ascend. These are the last words from Jesus about mission to his disciples. And he says in Acts 1.8 the following, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So whereas Matthew 28 gives us specifics like going, this is not, listen, I just want to suggest to you, if you've got some time throughout the week, you know, 
go and do some of these. No, go. It's a perpetual going word. While you are going, do these things. And so he says, go. Baptizing, which obviously in order to baptize someone, they have to have come to the point where they've heard the word of God, heard the gospel, repented of their sins, professed faith in Jesus Christ, and then you baptize them. And in the process, you're making disciples, of course. And then, of course, we're instructed to teach them everything we know about Jesus, which, of course, is where we get our model for discipleship. But, But here in Acts 1, part of the mission that Jesus is giving to the guys and to us, by extension, is the geographical. And I love this. And literally what he says to them, he goes, hey, listen, I know at some point in time, he doesn't actually say this, but I'm going to suggest this to you. At some point in time, you're going to be like really getting tired of being a Christian in Jerusalem. And you're going to be thinking being a missionary over there in Spain is way better. You know, because they got beaches, right? I'm just kidding. But, right? No, he says this. Jerusalem, first of all, I like to put it this way. Your own backyard, first of all. And so we also see this other key, the word witness. You'll remember how Matthias was chosen as one of the apostles to replace Judas. It was because he had witnessed the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what they're being sent to be witnesses of. That's what you and I are being sent to be witnesses of. In our proclamation that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and he was resurrected from the dead. And, and how do we know that? Because I'm alive again. I am new in Christ because of what he's done for me. You bear witness, we bear witness in that way. So what does that mean for us that when we are sent on mission... We, we, we are sent, obviously, to do something, and, and not everything either, but rather we are given a particular assignment. Is it beginning to become clear what that assignment might be? I think so. So this is true in the world today. Uh, specifically in the business world, um, you've all heard this, there are things called mission statements, right? In my business life, I spent about 15 years as a consultant to businesses, small businesses, um, where I would help them with basically their whole business plan. And I loved it. That was an awesome part of it. But one of the first things, obviously, I would do when I was working with a business was I would work on their mission statement with them. It's interesting. I'd always say to the owners or the managers, like, let's get the team together, and I want to do a little seminar for the the company because I really wanted them to all be on the same page. And in that seminar, when I started talking about a mission statement, I would ask the question, does anybody know where the idea for a mission statement for a business even came from? And some people would be like, Henry Ford? <laughs> like, you know, some, some old dead entrepreneur, usually successful. And when I would tell them no, uh, it actually came from Jesus Christ. They would be like, huh? <laughs> Excuse me? It's where it came from. The idea of calling people to go and do something specific. And this is where the modern mission statement came from. And I also like to teach there and here that a mission statement is a lot like a compass. The idea of the mission statement is, obviously when you use a compass, why? Well, if you know your bearings, you know what the direction is, you know where you're supposed to be going, you use the compass to find out where true north is, right? And, And you follow that direction. You go in that direction. 
And so a, a good mission statement is something that you, you ask yourself, okay, as a church, and we've done this over the last 12 years, hey, maybe we should become part of this ministry. This other church is doing it, and it's really important, and we should do it too, or we should do this. We ask this question. Let's look at our compass. If when we look at our compass, it's like, absolutely, <laughs> then we have to do it. If we look at our compass and it's like, mm, I'm not so sure. I think it's a great idea to go to the Alice Lake every Saturday with a, you know, a popcorn machine and make popcorn for people and just you know, give them popcorn, but I don't know if that fits the mission. Okay, that was a silly idea, but some of you might actually take it up. So it's about direction, and it's about a specific goal. Often I would also like to correct some very bad mission statements that were like, you know, trying to be all things to all people. One of my favorite ones would people have, we want to change the world. I'm going, maybe, can you be a little bit more specific? That sounds very grandiose. Anyway, it's a little bit about mission defined. Now I'd like to close lastly with point three. The mission of the church, which I believe is our mission. So where does that lead us, I guess? Well, in the first few years, we strove to really, really, truly simplify our mission as a church. And so if you were here at the Rock Church in year one, two, and three, you would have heard this. Our mission is this. We exist to make Jesus known. It's on one of the banners up front, right? That was our mission for the first three years. Like, just keep it simple, right? Because and, and, we, we knew we would have to build on that and learn how that expands. We knew that. But let's just start there. It's not about making a doctrine known or making a style of liturgy and church known. It's about making him known. So people would come to me through the first three or four years and go, yeah, we think we should do, what about if we do this? And I would simply go, will it help us make Jesus known or not? If the answer was absolutely, we did it. If it was like, ah, that's a good question, I don't know. Then we didn't. (laughs) We didn't do it. And so it's up front, really, as I said on our banners. We knew, of course, that we will, we will need to build on that, as I said, and we have been doing that. And we needed a lot more teaching and learning together by studying the Gospels, and especially one uh, point in the life of the church, we went through the, the book of Acts for 18 months, verse by verse, and we saw how the early church lived out the mission to the letter that Jesus gave to them. So that was pretty helpful and informative. In that study, we saw, and you will too, that the early church led by the 12 apostles and then by elders and pastors that were appointed by them in all the churches and local churches, they fulfilled the mission exactly to the letter and to the ends of the earth, at least the ends of the earth in those days that was known to them. So today, I want to put this on screen for you. This is our mission statement that is currently on our website. It says this, still says, simply put, our mission is to make Jesus known. And now we've flushed it out. We exist, therefore, to make disciples who make disciples. So we make disciples, not converts. (laughs) We make disciples of Jesus Christ who also understand it's their goal and responsibility and part of the mission for them to also make disciples. By, how do we do that? Goals and objectives. By proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into the church 
that they may worship and obey Jesus Christ now in eternity to the glory of God the Father. It's probably not a perfect mission statement, but it's close. Right? I hope you will uh, go to our website and check it out and maybe meditate on it this week. Because this is what's of prime importance. Read First Corinthians 15 when Paul, after teaching this church in Corinth all kinds of corrective measures, but all kinds of other good things, he goes, guys, just please remember what's of first importance. Jesus died on the cross for you. And without that, nothing else actually matters. So in closing this morning, I want to leave you with one more commissioning passage, which is found in Luke. So far, we've seen the most obviously well-known in Matthew 28, highlighting that when Jesus says, go, he's sending us and to a specific task, which is to make disciples. He follows that up with the process, which we saw in uh, in those same verses, which is to baptize and to teach obedience, the goal of true disciples. But in Luke, he said this, and it's a beautiful connection of everything we've already read and heard. Then he said to them, the disciples he was speaking to, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. So he had just been going through the, the Old Testament, through the prophets and the teachings, everything that, that pointed towards him, that everything written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And they just had been. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. If nothing else, Jesus is very consistent, isn't he? <laughs> this is the mission. So it's a, a beautiful synthesis, as I suggested, of the other passages, including proclamation of the gospel, witnessing to the resurrection, and all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I remember maybe about 10, 11 years ago, an interesting shift happened in publishing in Christian bookstores. And many of us as church planters were being advised to read these books. It was a bit of a corrective, and I really appreciate it, and I want to encourage you as well. The title of most of these books was, What is the Gospel? Not what is the mission, but what is the gospel? Some really, really good books which had the purpose of bringing us back to the main thing, which is the mission that Jesus is sending us on, sending us in this world to accomplish And these are important. So yes, doing justice, mercy missions, loving our neighbor does and is important. But listen, without the gospel, they don't save anyone. They don't save anyone whatsoever. I remember when I was working at Union Gospel Mission, some people who would come down to observe us feeding the homeless uh, on the big days, the Thanksgivings and the Christmas, they would be critical of us because we used to require, and they still do, men and women to go in the chapel and hear the gospel before they got fed. 
And even some of the street people called it their gospel, right? right? What's the point of being Union Gospel Mission? Just to feed hungry people who will die better fed? They need Jesus Christ. They need Jesus Christ. And that's what is of prime importance. So let me leave you with this as an application for this week. And I've mentioned this many times over the last 12 years. Let me ask you honestly, who are you discipling? Who are you personally right now discipling? Either in the process of them coming to faith in Christ or in their growth in Christ, in their faith, their walk with him. Importantly as well, who's discipling you? Who's discipling you? This is the mission of the church. Pray with me, would you?